you have your Bibles, we'll be in uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 and also in Luke chapter 2. First Sunday of Advent is this idea of the message of hope. This, this idea that when Jesus came into the world, there was hope that he would come. There was hope that the Messiah would at some point come into the world and and we want to celebrate that today, this idea that, that we have hope because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our lives. And so we're excited to talk about this, this message of hope. So why must we speak about hope? Why must we talk about hope? In such a time as this, in 2019, the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, cannot help but speak of the hope of Jesus Jesus is our hope, and we have a hope in him, and we have a responsibility to proclaim that hope to the world. To a lost and dying world, we must share with them, we must tell them of this hope that they have in Jesus Christ. And so today, as we talk about that, I wanted to give you the definition, and uh, there's all kinds of definition in Webster and other places, but uh, there's a definition there, a biblical definition of hope is this. Hope is a confident expectation of what God has promised will happen, and the strength of that confidence is in God's faithfulness or in who he is. It's this confident expectation of what God has promised will happen, and the strength that comes from that is the confidence of God's faithfulness. Confident expectation. What are some of your confident expectations? What are some of the things you hope for in life? And how has it changed from before you knew Christ as your Savior to where you're at now? Where is that hope and that confident expectation? Hope is our desire for certain things to happen. It's what we aspire to. It's our desire, our wish, our optimism. What are you optimistic about? Scott and I have an ongoing joke that he says that I look at a glass half empty and he sees a glass half full. He calls me the 2080 guy while he's the 8020 guy. Um, I, I hope I'm not quite that bad. Matter of fact, I have a lot of hope and, and optimism. Um, but there's some areas where I look at the scriptures and I look at what God has said, and I don't see a lot of hope for those who reject him. And, but for those who don't, for those who accept him and, and are waiting for him and put their hope and trust in him, we have an extreme amount of hope. I'm a 99-1 guy when it comes to that. I mean, I just, my absolute hope is in who Christ is and what he's done in my life and what he's done in your life. And so I'm excited about those things. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. is a passage that Sandy read a couple verses out of this morning. Remember, this is hundreds of years before Jesus was actually come into the world before he was born, four or five hundred years before that time frame. Isaiah writes these words. He says, verse verse 1, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Aren't you thankful for the moment that Christ came into your life and there's no more doom and gloom, there's no more worrying about what could be or what should be, just knowing that because of him, you no longer have to carry that burden and carry that weight. You no longer have that doom and gloom that, that comes with that. 
Verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the, generation, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and now 2,000 years later, we live in this world of war and not peace, so we need hope. We live in bondage, not freedom, so we need hope. We live in, po we live in poverty and not wealth, so we need hope. We lack knowledge, not having truth in our lives, so we need hope. We live in anger, not calmness, so we need hope. We live in depression, not joy, so we need hope. We need confident expectations. We need hope. So today as we look into the Luke chapter 2, where is your hope found? Where have you placed it? Where is it found? Where is that joy that comes from knowing that what God has promised he has done and what God has promised he will continue to do? Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35 says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him that was a custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now look at this passage of Scripture. Confident expectations means sometimes we have to patiently wait on God. Confident expectation or hope means that sometimes we have to patiently wait on God. How many of you are patient? How many patient people are in here? Good. The rest of you are telling the truth. Those with their hands up, I don't know, right? How is your patience? I remember as a child I read the scriptures that talked about if you want patience, that it means that God will bring trials and tribulations into your life. And I remember, God, I, I needed patience. I had a terrible problem with not being patient. But I also looked at the cost of patience. And I remember saying, God, I don't know if I want to go through this in order to be patient. Sometimes we have to patiently wait on God. 
You ever get frustrated that God doesn't make it happen sooner? God, I want it now. I want it to happen today. I want it to happen this week. I want it to occur now. Why do I have to wait upon the Lord? Why, why do I have to be patient and waiting for him? It's hard sometimes to be patient. Now, the patience that he was asking of the children of Israel was a lot. I mean, we're talking thousands of years if you go back to Abraham's promise, hundreds of years if you go through some of the prophets that, that Scott shared this morning, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, hundreds of years waiting for this Messiah, waiting for this hope, this confident expectation. The God who parted the Red Sea is the God who will bring about the Messiah. The God who provides for our nation and has helped us and helped King David conquer the nations is the God who will provide this Emmanuel. And yet, he says, wait, wait. It's frustrating when you're hoping for something and you have to wait. I love Christmas Eve as a child because the waiting was pretty much over. It was eight, nine, ten hours left. And what I did is I waited till my parents fell asleep, and then I snuck out of my room to check out what gifts have been left under the tree. And I would go around with a flashlight, and I would count the gifts, and I would see how many I got. And mom would always make sure that we all had the exact same number of gifts, and she would put them in order of their names, right? And so I would just look for my name, and I'd be like, ooh, 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 and I'd shake them, you know, and... You know, and meanwhile, mom and dad's in there sleeping away. And I, I just, the, the waiting was over. But I still wasn't patient enough to wait that couple more hours. I had to get up and, and go out and see. It's hard sometimes to wait on God. It's hard sometimes to maintain your hope, your, your expectations when it's not happening. If you're a Michigan fan, you might be tired of being patient. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Uh, I remember the years that we lost and lost and lost. I remember as a child the war, the 10-year war, and, and Woody and Bo, and they were 60-40 or 50-50, and, and I remember the battles, and, and you know I would throw the pillow at the TV because I was like, ah, and mom's like, what is wrong with you? Shut up, sit down. I'm like, okay, okay. And so I am excited that we're 8-0 over the last few years. I'm excited about that. But if you're on the other side, your hope seems <laughs> waiting. You're longing. When's it going to happen? And, and what if we put our hope in? Do, the, do football games really matter? By the way, congratulations to Licking Valley. They're going to the state championship next week. That's exciting. Um, and they, they found a way to come back and win in the last minute or so, Scott said. Uh, exciting stuff. That's awesome. Was that really what our life is all about? Yeah, it's for those football players. It's for those coaches. But there's more important things to place our hope and our trust in. There's a lot of good life lessons and things that are learned and taught. And, and I love athletics. I love sports. I was there rooting and cheering yesterday Watching the, the high state game, I was excited, except for the couple minutes I fell asleep, right? That, that's the old part of me. I love watching those games. But is that really what my hope is? Is that really where I've placed my trust? 
I hope not. I hope that's not where your confident expectations is in a football team. I hope your confident expectations is not in your car or your house or your job. I hope your confident expectations is not in those things. We have been given promises from God that we place our hope and our trust in. But sometimes he just says, wait. Wait. I assume that Simeon was, himself was an older man. Because the verse says that the Holy Spirit promised him that he would not die before he's seen the Lord's Messiah. It says that he was a righteous man, a devout man. And yet God said to him, wait. But you're not going to have to wait too long. That before you die, I mean, the nation's been waiting for hundreds of years, but before you die, Simeon, you're going to see the birth of my promise. You're going to see the truth and the hope that you've been waiting on. Second thing I see in this is constant expectation is not the things that we have made it. It's not the things that we have made it. Our constant expectations, our hope, is not the things that we have made it. Verse 34 and 35 says this, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. How tough is it as a parent to hear these words that your child is going to be amazing, he's going to do amazing things, and by the way, it's going to cause a lot of problems He's going to be a problem child. He's going to cause people to get frustrated and angry. And your heart will be pierced too. No mother holding a little child in her arm wants to hear those words. No one wants to hear those truths. She, I don't know how much, I love the person that says she pondered these things in her heart as the angels told her what was going to happen and, and how that she was going to be blessed to be the mother of the Messiah. And yet she, she ponders these things in her hearts and she's trying to connect the dots. What in the world is going on? And she would have been sitting there holding this baby and listening to Simeon say these words and going, what do you mean? What do you mean my heart will be pierced? What do you mean I'm looking forward to raising this child and having nothing but good days and awesome times and what do you mean? But sometimes it's not the things we've made it. Our plans are not his plans. God has plans we don't even understand or can't comprehend. Hope is not found in wealth. Hope is not in a lottery ticket. <laughs> it's not by chance or by random. Hope is not our works. Hope is not how hard you work or how, how low you duck or what things you try to accomplish. Hope is not temporary. Our hope is eternal. It's not a temporary thing. Hope is not a snooze alarm. You ever hit your snooze alarm hoping that an extra nine minutes might make you feel better about the day? Why, why is that? I just slept for eight hours, six hours, four hours, ten hours, and I think that hitting the snooze alarm will add another nine minutes and will make everything better. At the end of nine minutes, I still don't want to get up, do I? So I hit it again. And I hit it again. And after three or four times, does, does it make it any better? My hope is not, and in those nine minutes, my entire day will turn around. My hope is not in a snooze alarm. My hope is not found in quitting or giving up. Hope is not found in a pill or in a bottle. 
Hope is not in the past. It's hard because there's some things in the past that we really loved and we really enjoyed, but hope is not found in the past. The past will not return. Your deceased loved ones will not come back. You will see them in eternity, but that's a whole different discussion, right? They're not coming back. Lost jobs are not coming back. Old possessions are not coming back. Hope is not in the past. Hope is not even in the present. You may be having a great day, and, and, and hope is, is not in the present. You may be having a terrible time in your life right now, and, and the pain and the hurt that you're in right now, hope is not found in that. Hope is not in beauty or fame or talent. It doesn't matter how pretty you are. It doesn't matter how well you sing or how well you play football or how well you do art or whatever other talent you have. Your hope is not found in those things. Hope is not the things that we have made it. So where is hope found? Where do you find your hope? Number three, confident expectation is found in a person. It's found in a person, Jesus Christ. Confident expectation is found in a person of Jesus Christ. Wow. It's not found in the things that we sometimes try to put our hope in. I've tried to put my hope in so many different things, but until I put my hope in Jesus Christ, I never really understood what I was missing. Hope is found in this person of Jesus. Verses 29 to 32, Simeon is speaking, and he holds this baby in his hands, and he says, wow, this is what we've been waiting for. The Holy Spirit has spoken to him and told him that, that he would get to see this child be born, and he's holding this child. And, and what is the conversation between Simeon and baby Jesus? Oh, little baby Jesus, oh, you're so cute. Oh, go, go, go. oh that's good. What is the conversation? You're the one. You're the one who's going to make a difference. You're the one. Have you ever taken a baby and just held it tight and just wrapped it in your arms and just cuddled it? And the, the, the joy and the peace and the happiness that it brings to just hold that baby who has no cares in the world. And he's looking at his child and you're the one. You're the one the nations are going to reject. You're the one the world's going to scoff at. You're the one that's going to bring salvation, and yet they're not even going to receive it. Man, my heart breaks knowing what you're going to go through. But Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. And in your life, if you would just symbolically hold Jesus in your arms and think about what he means to you, the hope that he has brought to you, the strength that he brings to you, my life has never been the same. My life, my life will never be the same because of Jesus. My confident expectation, my hope, is found in this person called Jesus Christ. Hope is also found in a name. Hope is found in a name. Acts 4.12 says this, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. We've been going through Acts in our 
Bible study on Tuesday night, and we read this the other night, and it's an amazing verse. Because Peter and John has been put before Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, and the Sadducees, who don't believe in the resurrection. And they're put before them, and they're saying, by what power and what name did you perform this miracle? He had healed a lame man. He said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. Get up and walk. And he heals him in the name of Jesus. And this man gets up, and he starts walking, and he starts leaping, and he starts shouting, and he starts singing. He's so excited what God has done. And when they saw what he did, what had happened, they threw Peter and John in prison overnight. And the next day, they got him out of jail. And they asked the question, by what name or what power did you do this? <laughs> and they said, are you asking me why I've been kind? Is it this act of kindness that I'm being thrown in prison for? Nonetheless, I want you to know that it was this man, Jesus, that you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. That's who healed this man. That's the one who brought hope to his hopelessness. Forty-plus years, he was sat down on the ground in front of the temple to beg for money. He didn't, couldn't work. He couldn't provide for himself. And he would beg people as they come into the temple for money day after day after day. Hopeless. Helpless. It doesn't get any worse than not being able to provide for yourself. And he's sitting there unable to do anything for himself. And Jesus gave him a new life. Jesus gave him hope. And as he is running and dancing and singing and shouting Peter and John says, guys, I want you to understand, this is what we've seen and what we heard. There's no other name in heaven by which a man can be saved than Jesus of Nazareth. No other name. Hope is found in a name. Hope is found in a truth. We spend our life searching for truth and searching for what really matters and what really counts. And our hope is found in truth. Jesus is that truth. John says, I, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is that hope. Jesus is that truth. Hope is salvation. Hope is salvation. Jesus paid that price that no one could pay. I don't have enough money in the bank. I don't have the ability on my own. I don't have what it takes to pay that price, but Jesus pays that price for you. He is your hope. He is your salvation. And hope is righteousness. Hope is righteousness. There's no other righteousness found anywhere else but in Jesus Christ. So as we come into this Advent season, and we're talking about what it means to have hope. Our hope is found in no one else but Jesus' blood, Jesus' righteousness. Our hope is found nowhere else but in Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? As I think of my favorite times of the year, it definitely is Christmas and it definitely is Easter. The birth and the resurrection is where my hope is found. My hope is found in knowing 
that God is able to keep the promises that he made for me. My hope is eternal. That's 99.99. No, that's 100%. My hope is eternal. My hope is in the price that Jesus paid on Calvary. That is so exciting to me. In just a few minutes as we get into communion, I want you to be thinking about your hope. Where's your hope for your family? Where's your hope for your, your relationships? Where's your hope for your jobs? Where's your hope for your life that you live? Where, where, where does that hope come from? As we break of the bread and as we drink of the cup, may we remember where our hope truly comes from. I'm going to ask Pam to come and, Amanda, you don't, you're going to wait and join later? Okay. Actually, you don't need to join, do you? So you just sit there. Um, I'm going to ask the deacons to come as we prepare for communion. While the deacons are coming, Jesus had spent the night before his crucifixion with his disciples in the upper room having Passover, in the upper room sharing with them that tomorrow, guys, I'm going to be crucified, that this is about over, it's about to take place. And as he was with his disciples, he took the bread and he showed them the bread. He said, this is my body that will be broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. He broke the bread and shared it with his disciples. Let us pray. Heavenly Fathers, we think of our hope that's found nowhere else but in Jesus Christ. Father, I think of this baby that came into this world, that became flesh, that became man, who grew up and lived this sinless life, who was beaten for our transgressions, was bruised for our iniquities. Our sin was placed upon him. And in that moment, our hope of eternal life became real. So, Father, today as we think about our lives, maybe areas of sin that has weighed us down, maybe our physical body that is wearing down, we thank you that Jesus was willing to be beaten for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.